I am a huge proponent of if you don't know, find someone who does. And so that's pretty much what I did the entire time of developing the planner was I didn't know a manufacturer that I could trust, but I knew someone who did, so I reached out to them. And I didn't know necessarily how to design in Adobe, but I knew someone who did, so I hired them. That's Amanda Faust. I'm Kara Duffy, and this is the Powerful Ladies Podcast. to the Powerful Ladies podcast. Thank you for having me. I love it when guests refer future guests. And Julie, as soon as she finished her episode, was like, you have to talk to Amanda. She, I'm going to literally quote what she said for her submission. She runs a super successful, successful copywriting and social media agency while parenting four kids, three of whom are adopted, she retired her husband. She's amazing. And she's a coach. Aww, that's <laughs> sweet. So that is a lot on your plates. Before we jump in and start talking about all those things, let's tell everybody your name, where you are in the world, and if there's anything else you're up to that I missed. Yeah. So my name is Amanda Faust. I live about an hour outside of Indianapolis, Indiana. And what was the other question? <laughs> Anything that you're up to that I missed that we didn't give you in that little intro? Yeah, no, I mean, I, my husband's an entrepreneur too. So we both kind of do that. And I homeschool one of my kids. So just really busy around here. But I always like to say I'm intentionally full instead of busy because it's all with intention. So yeah. Well, and it's a great segue jumping right into the planner that you have. Mm -hmm. Um, what is this planner? Where did it come from? And how has it changed your life, let alone anyone else who's used it? Yeah. So I'm the founder of the highest potential planner and it would never, I never set out to do a planner, but I loved planners. I was definitely one of those people that had tried all the planners, um, for a while, like early in my motherhood, I had this job working for a website for moms and I did copy for them and content creation. Um, as one of my clientele. And so I, I got sent planners to try all the time. Like these companies would send planners and say, Hey, will you try this out and feature it on your website? So moms can have these planners. And so I was like, yeah, this is a great gig. You know, I get free stuff. I get to write about it. It's great. And, and since planners were one of those things, I got to try out so many. And I realized that like, I mean, there were some good ones for sure, but none of them had everything I wanted. And I felt like they were either, they either took too long to fill out where I felt like I had to, like, I just couldn't maintain it or they just didn't go deep enough. So it would just be like a calendar to-do list. That's it. And I really love to be intentional with my time. And so I found the high performance planner, which is from Brennan Burchard, and he's who I'm certified through as a coach. And so I would often recommend that planner because I'm like, well, you know, he's mm -hmm. who I'm certified from. He obviously knows what he's talking about. And so I would recommend this and people would buy it all the time through my recommendation. Well, then I had somebody tell me, well, I had multiple people tell me it just took them too long to do. They couldn't maintain it. But then I had another person say, why don't you have your own planner? You get all these people to buy his planner. Um, and I'm still a huge fan of Brennan Richard for sure. But they're like, you should be making money off of this. And I'm like, you're right. I could. And I've done enough with planners. I'll just create my own. So it was really important to me that it could do a couple of things. One is that somebody could fill it out in five minutes in the morning. 
And the other one is that it had a balance of being really like intentional with tasks and, and that checklist, but also with mindset and making sure that you were able to define success, define how you want to feel, think long-term and short-term in one sitting. And again, just do it all in a really quick morning routine. So that's what I did. And, you know, people often think about making a planner, like it's a physical thing, like where's it going to get printed? How's it going to get managed? Um, Was that the easiest part for you? Like was designing it and getting it ready the harder part? Was finding the logistics harder in this process? Yeah. So one lucky thing is that I'm all about relationships, um, especially in entrepreneurship, because it can be pretty lonely. And I am a huge proponent of if you don't know, find someone who does. And so that's pretty much what I did the entire time of developing the planner was I didn't know a manufacturer that I could trust, but I knew someone who did. So I reached out to them and I didn't know necessarily how to design in Adobe, but I knew someone who did. So I hired them. There's a book by Dan Sullivan called Who Not How. And it always talks about like, you don't need to know the how if you know the who. And so I'm, that's what I did is I had it in my head and I made sure I got the who's around me to make it happen. Let's dive into that a little bit more. I think that's really juicy. I also a big proponent of telling my clients to delegate everything that's not in their zone of genius and to build their team, whether it's actual employees or freelancers or mentors, all the things that we need. There's been a couple conflicts coming up, but I've been talking to clients about that because they're like, great, I want to delegate this. It's not my zone of genius. I hate it. I don't want to do it. And I'm like, okay, well, you don't get anything really for free. Like when you do, it's like an amazing miracle. And I'm trying to prepare them to say, like, finding your who to delegate to does require either time to invest in them, to train them, if, whether they're a volunteer or entry level person, or it requires making the investment. How do you decide when to make the investment to delegate into one of your who's? No, that's a really good question. So a few of the examples I gave with the planner were not a financial investment. Now, the person who did the uh, Adobe design was definitely a financial investment, but the person who just recommended a manufacturer connecting me to them, all that was just from a relationship where I've served them really well. And then when I had a question, they served me. And I think like, there's kind of two parts to your question. One is that like, when you go in and you're meeting somebody and you are just thinking, how can I provide value to them? How can I serve them with like no agenda whatsoever? You know, you may not ever need something from that person for years to come, but when you do, they remember, oh, she did this for me. She served me. And then they often will provide that back. So just leaving like little, I always say like planting little seeds of value for those situations where you may not have the money or time to invest in something, but you maybe did years ago and it's coming back. So that's one way. As far as the financial and time investment, I would say making sure that, um, People use this phrase a lot and I have a love-hate relationship, but it's the ROI, right? Like the return on investment. Sometimes I don't like that because I think that people define it wrong in some ways. Like they think that return on investment needs to be immediate. They measure it wrong. Like, so it's not always a healthy perspective, but in some ways it is. And so being able to define like, what would this, what would success look like for me to hire this person? Um, What would I need to make in return? What time do it should I save in return, like being able to define that really clearly and making sure you're on the same page as the person you're trying to hire is really important when it comes to making that hiring decision. I want to jump all the way back to eight-year-old you. (laughs) Where were you in the world and did she imagine that this is a life that you would have today? 
it's funny you say that I have an eight-year-old and I was just <laughs> sitting with him on the couch the other day and I he was talking about what he wanted to be when he grew up and he was like I don't know what I want to be and I said you know what it's totally fine because what I am I didn't even know existed in the world at eight years old <laughs> like what I do for a living was not even on my radar at eight because it, it wasn't a thing like doing digital marketing online and coaching and doing all that um coaching might have started to be a thing but not to the extent it is now and so um eight-year-old me thought that i would do something um more in like music and being a teacher i wanted to be a music teacher but then i look back and i see patterns leading up to what i do now that i just didn't know and like i was the person always trying to like um sell things and make money and that kind of thing um you know in the i remember being at school and i was in fifth grade so i wasn't eight so i was probably closer to like 10 or 11. and i remember trying to sell things out of my locker for to people <laughs> that i thought they they would want and making trades and like talking on the playground about stuff and just like i don't know just selling really i i wasn't really about the money it was just like the challenge i think that i was drawn to um i mean let's people at that age don't even have money really so it was only like a dollar here 50 cents here but it was more just like wow like i created something that somebody wanted or i found something that somebody wanted so you know in some ways i was marketing then but then i also was always the person that people came to to talk through their problems or their frustrations or things like that and so um coaching kind of was a natural piece as well even being that little I think it's so amazing and it, it shows up time and time again that the easiest way to make money is doing what you do without thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> and so the sooner we can find like, what is that thing that you can, how do we just get you paid for who you are as a natural human? It makes such a shift and people talk about, is it an alignment? I'm like, it's not even like an alignment question. It's just a, exactly what you said. What do your friends call you for? Mm-hmm. What do you do on a Saturday? Cause you can't help yourself. <laughs> like, yeah, there's exactly. the, the things that we have that are so valuable. We usually don't give any credit to because they're so obvious to us. No, it's so true. I was also going back to fifth grade again. I don't know. I think fifth, I have two fifth graders. So I think that's why fifth grade's on my mind. But I remember I was telling my husband recently, we got assigned something in fifth grade and it was just to write a paragraph of, um, like persuading someone to do something. That's all it was. It's like, how do you persuade someone? Quick paragraph. I ended up writing a whole commercial. I had a jingle. I presented it in front of the entire class. Like I just, I went like way above the the call, but it was because it was natural to me. I was like, I know exactly what to do. And what was that a form of marketing? In a way, kind of like a jingle, all the things people remembered mm -hmm. it. So it's just fun to to look back on younger you where you didn't even know, because to your point, it was just a natural part. Yeah. Well, and that's what I crack up about when people get so paralyzed to sell. Because mm -hmm. I'm like, uh, let's just go back to when you were 16 and you were convincing your parents to do something that you knew they would say no to. Like you showed up oh with like gosh. an entire objections and responses list. Like you, it was going to happen. I'm like, that's all it is. That's so good. <laughs> I love that. So when you, how did you get into the coaching journey? I know you said that you were working with Brendan in his program, but was there an mm -hmm. aha moment in your life where you said, I need to be a coach or that, that sounds really interesting to me, or did it just one day you're like, oh, like, I didn't know that was an option. 
both. <laughs> the answer to both. So in college, I was looking for a part-time job like every college student, right? And our the university I went to actually had a coaching department. And they offered free coaching to students, which I was like, what? And I I was, I, sorry, I'm like some late. Um, but I was so excited to hear that. And I couldn't believe that people weren't using it. They were saying, I, I like went to sign up. I thought there'd be like a waiting list if everybody had the op- option to do this. And they were, they were saying how nobody was really taking them up on it yet. And they wanted help spreading the word. And so I'm like, okay, well, I would love to experience what coaching is. And so I was a client um, and got coached. I was actually trying to figure out, I was almost through a degree in elementary education. The only other thing I had to do was student teaching. So I did everything. Um, I actually ended up, you have to test in to become a teacher at my university. You can't just like take the classes and get good grades. Like you have to apply to be one. And I got like the top score of anyone they'd ever had. So if anything, well, like, yeah, it's one of those things I forget about because I never pursued it. But I was like, you think that would be, oh my gosh, this is it. I need to do it. And it was weird because I didn't have that feeling when I found that out. When they said I I got the top score, instead of being excited, I was like, I don't think I even want to do this. Like, I don't think I want to be a teacher, which was so bizarre because I thought I wanted to be a teacher. And so I went to get coached and I was like, hey, this, I just got this top score. This should be making me feel amazing. I don't, I'm actually realizing I don't even want to teach and I don't know what I want to do. And they coached me and I ended up um, deciding on a leadership degree and I minored in education because might as well. I mean, I had everything, (laughs) Um, but like through that process, I just remember thinking less about what I was learning about myself, which I was learning a lot about myself, but instead thinking more about, wait, this is a job. Like someone is just talking me through life and, and asking me questions and getting me to be curious and learn about myself. And I was like, I want to be in that seat. Like I want to do what they're doing. And so, um, the person actually who coached me at the time ended up developing a whole certification program on her own through the university at first, and then on her own after. And I did that. That was my first certification. Um, she called me up and when she had it and said, I want you to do this because you had expressed interest when you when you were my client and I want you to be one of the first ones. So I was in her first cohort. And then I ended up coaching people and realizing that I needed to level up because I was working with high performers, not knowing that was even a thing. I didn't know what a high performer was. I didn't know that terminology, but I was working and attracting people who were like flying through my program. (laughs) It's like, okay, they're like at a different level than I am. So how can I be their coach at this point? And so I went and got certified through Brennan Burchard and up-leveled all of my training at that point and just keep continuing to learn. How has being a coach changed your life in unexpected ways? Yeah, that's a great question. So I would say being a coach, changing my life. Honestly, the first thing that comes to mind is my parenting. I know that might sound like a weird response, but like it's totally transformed the way I parent or what, I mean, I guess I was a coach before I parented, but it's transformed the way I viewed parenting. And, And when I became one, I was like, able to really apply what I knew as a coach to the way that I show up with my kids and just equipping them for their adult life. I think so many times we parent our kids as kids, which, you know, they do need to be kids, but we forget that like we're raising adults. Like I don't want to raise kids who get into the world and don't know how to have um, emotional regulation or don't know who they are or don't have an identity or, you know, all the things that we 
or at least I went through. Um, and I had great parents, but they just didn't know what to do in that area. So I just love being able to apply what I learned to them and watching them learn and um, hopefully be set up for more success than I was. It's amazing how many things um, I've learned through coaching and all the other things I'm sure you love too, like the habits and mm -hmm. neuroscience and all the yeah, things that all just things. create success paths essentially, right? And there's so many of them that just aren't taught anywhere. Like I think maybe now EQ is being discussed in school, but there's so many things for adulthood that, and to your point, just being great humans that aren't in traditional curriculums anywhere um, that I just, we're missing such an opportunity to allow people to figure out what they want. Like, I know I'm speaking to someone who's, who's in the same seat I'm in often of just wishing people could find that happiness because either like not being happy or being bored or not appreciating like all the mindset things are limiting so many people and it's you can't turn off the coach uh processing right so watching other politicians on tv or this or that you're like they just need a coach oh my gosh <laughs> all the time i love reality tv which sounds so ridiculous my husband's like why do you watch this you don't seem like the person who likes reality tv i said because i mean it's not all reality but a lot of it is compared to other shows. And I said, I'm just fascinated by what these yeah. people need to work on in their lives or the lack yes. of self-awareness or all these things, you know, as a coach. It's just funny. Well, and so many great places to pull content for, I'm sure, your social media because everyone else is watching it too. And you're like, this, this. I had that experience <laughs> recently watching The Bear. And there was such a beautiful, like, employee uh coaching experience in an episode that i was telling everyone i'm like when you're curious how to ask people to stand in extraordinary go watch this episode and they oh. were like really from the show i'm like yes so for everyone listening it's the forks episode in season two like go you could just watch that episode alone in a vacuum and i mean it's it's so valuable to see it in play because something that's hard for me and i'm curious if this is for you as well it is so hard to let people settle for less than their greatness. How do you manage that and keep your sanity and create that space for honestly yourself almost more than them? I love this question. This actually leads to kind of a new thing I've been doing in my coaching business. So for a while, I was called High Performance Insider because high performance coaching is what I did. And insider was kind of like, you're an insider, join my insider group, you know, that kind of thing. Well, then things have just naturally morphed. And I realized like, what is the biggest thing that pains me when it comes to coaching? And it's what you just said. It's watching people not live up to their highest potential. It's watching people, what I've been referring to as they aren't awake to their life, they're asleep. And it kills me because I'm like, there's so much, I, I feel like God's given me a gift to be able to see in people. Um, what they don't see in themselves yet yes. and call it out. Good and there's other yeah. people. Yeah. There's <laughs> other people who have that gift too. And it's, and it's a gift and a curse, right? Because the gift is you're like, come on, like, how do you not see this? It's there. It's yeah. so clear. And then the other part is like, when they don't see it and they choose to stay asleep, um, it's just painful to watch and see. Yeah. So I, I haven't fully grasped setting the boundary and not getting so um, wrapped up in it, with, especially in, with people I love. But I've definitely been 
called to talk more about waking up to your life. And that's been my new slogan. Instead of High Performance Insider, it's going to be Wake Up to Your Life. We've been doing a rebrand behind the scenes and all that, which is super exciting. But I just think that's what it is. It's like we all have the ability. We all have the capacity to be who we were created to be. But if we're asleep, we can't do it. So, yeah, yeah. it's it's the I totally agree the blessing, the curse. And I I got goosebumps when you're talking about that because it's one of those like it's like almost a superpower and Mm -hmm. other people don't get it. And Mm -hmm. it's what allows us to be able to just like go right to the thing. Yeah. And for some people, that's really unnerving because they're like, how did you know? Like, yeah. I'm like, it's not a psychic power. It's written all over everything in your life. <laughs> you just yeah. can't see it. It's like another language or like a different color in the spectrum of, of, of light. And yeah. I had to, I find, I had to catch myself in romantic relationships because it's so easy for me to see the potential in someone and to believe what the, who they want to be. And I'm like, hold on, are they actually doing this in reality? Yeah. Like if I jumped ahead to being like, oh, I'm so in love with the greatness that you could be. But wait, where are you right now? Like, I don't even know if you're cooked yet. Are you prepared? Are you going in the oven? I can't, I need to come back to that step for me so when, it's, when it's like personal. Um, but seeing that allows me to help my clients so much more because it's uncomfortable for them sometimes because they can't, they can't fool you or I, because we'll see it. Yeah. And that's what they want us to do. But they also hate that that's what we do at the same time. <laughs> Absolutely. That's one um, one thing that Brennan Burchard says a lot is he always says, you are paid to push. And that really helps me because for so long, I could see it, like you said, but I was like af- afraid of losing relationships. Like what, what would happen if I actually spoke what I saw? What would happen if I sh- if I called someone out? And being able to put the coach hat on and being paid to do it is a completely different thing. Cause I'm like, well, I'm paid to push. Like if I sit here and just let them talk and try to BS me and I know that it's none of what they're saying is true. It's more of what they want to believe, but it's not actually real. Then I'm actually hurting them in the long run and hurting this coaching relationship. So I, I've learned to just speak it in love and, you know, Sometimes it lands, sometimes it takes a few weeks and then they come back and they're like, okay, <laughs> <You're right. laughs> but anyway, it's that well, intuition. Exactly. Well, and that makes me also want to ask about your marketing business. So as a business coach, I partner with a lot of marketing agencies and it's really fun to kind of tag team to really up-level a business. Were you in marketing first or coaching first? And how did the marketing side of your pile of entrepreneurship (laughs) uh, come to be? Yeah, honestly, they both kind of started around the same time. I started in writing. So marketing wasn't, I mean, writing's a form of marketing, right? But I was just in that little bubble of I could write, I could persuade, and that was about it. And then I just love learning. Like I'm just a collector of knowledge all the time. And so I'm like, well, what if I could do this? And what if I could do that? And then it was the who's, right? Well, I can't, but I know this person who could do this and maybe they could work for me. And then we became a full blown marketing agency in eight years. Um, I stayed home with my kids until they went to school. And my goal, I think it was 2020. My goal was to be able to go full-time when my youngest went to school full-time and that happened. And that was when the marketing agency really blew up before it was just kind of like had some clients here, there did pretty well with the time I had, but I just didn't have a lot of time. Um, so once we actually put it out there in the world and I was able to work full-time that blew up. And then my coaching business kind of had to take a, not a pause. I've always coached, but 
just couldn't take on as many because I was like, oh, okay, we're doing this. Um, everything <laughs> happened naturally and organically. I didn't push the marketing agency. In fact, it's kind of a joke among me and my team. We're like, we don't even market ourselves hardly. And we're <laughs> a marketing agency, but, um, but we're a relational marketing agency. And so the, the difference there is that we've grown through relationships. Mm-hmm. And with that, you don't really have to put yourself out there to the masses because you just tap into the audiences of your connections and network and they do it for you. So that's kind of what's happened with us is our clients put us out there and we're always booked up and, you know, maybe we'll start marketing ourselves more, but we haven't needed to a whole lot. So, yeah. No, I I think that's great. And it's such a good example of how many businesses don't need all the marketing tools. I think it's so easy to get overwhelmed that you need all the things in marketing to get where you want to go next. And you don't like, I always think it's direct selling first relationships first, Mm -hmm. and then you start layering on like how to talk to strangers in the most effective way. And I just breaks my heart seeing how stuck, especially small business owners are thinking that they have to like have the Instagram and the email sequences and the sales funnels and all these things. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like each of those requires such a comprehensive strategy and an ideally an expert. And to tie this back into the coaching side, I've been giving a lot of coaching to my like marketing agency clients lately about really stepping into being the expert that they are. Mm -hmm. And you said, you know, the um, you're paid to push and encouraging them to also push back on their clients to allow them both the space to do what they are hired to do, but also knowing that the strategy that they've made is actually the most effective way to make their clients happy. How do you balance that push pull of making a client happy, but knowing like you probably know better than they do because they hired you on how to get there and they're resistant to something because of who knows what happens? Yeah, I actually have a story if that's okay. Yeah, please. I, I think it kind of answers your question, but I think it's also going to provide some additional things too. So um, we had a client that was like one of our biggest clients um, for my agency. And it was a retainer client. So every single month, you know, they paid us a certain amount to run their marketing. And uh, they weren't our biggest, but they were one of our biggest. And um, I was really attached to them too. I mean, still to this day, love who runs the company, love the company, but it just wasn't aligning. There was these expectations, but yet I felt like our hands were always tied. They were like, we want these results, but you're not allowed to change the website. You're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed, you know, and they wouldn't use those words directly, but they would always like put obstacles in the way. And I was like, I don't know how you think we're going to be able to do this if we can't do these other things. And it was getting to the point where I was like, it's hurting us to not be able to get results. It's hurting our relationship. Cause again, I loved this company. I loved the owner and I didn't, relationships are so important to me that I'm like, it's not worth getting to the point that it's irredeemable. Um, and I made the decision very like spontaneously, but also like it was spontaneous, but also it had been building a little bit without me wanting to acknowledge it. And I let them go. And I went to my team and I was like, I'm doing this. I hope I have your support. Um, this is going to be rocky for maybe a month or so for us to replace this client, but I think it's best. And, you know, you're just gonna have to trust me. And of course they all, they all did, but, um, but that was a really hard decision to make. And I think that sometimes we I actually was playing a game with my son. Um, and it was a Chinese checkers game and he, I don't know if you've ever played Chinese checkers, but you have to jump around 
and he jumped backwards at one point. Um, this was the day before I made this decision. It, it does go with the story. He jumped backwards and I said, why did you do that? You're going backwards. And he said, well, mom, sometimes you have to go backwards so you can launch further the next time. And his, he's like eight years old. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's, that's it. And that's kind of when I made that decision. So I'm like, we're going to feel like we're going backwards, letting this client go who also has connections and also, you know, was in my mind going to be a really great thing in the future. I'm like, but in order to launch even further and, and fulfill our dreams as an agency and um we've got to go backwards for a second and we did and it was the best thing ever um for our company so i definitely think like living in alignment and and doing the things that feel right to you even if it looks weird to other people i mean i had a lot of people questioning that decision that were close to me and i was like just trust me it's the right thing and and it was so yeah yeah I hope that answers your question. <laughs> it it totally does because I think that because you have the training and the natural uh, abilities as a coach, like you are able to approach your clients and your own business in a very different way. Because mm-hmm. there's so much scarcity mindset that people have. There's sorry, what Siri decided to jump in and join the conversation. Um, <laughs> I never understand when she just shows up. Um, there's just scarcity mindset normally. There is wanting to be liked and the people pleasing that shows up and this idea, the attached versus committed approach to clients so often where business owners so often turn over their business to their clients and don't realize it. And I wish more clients or, uh, or just more business owners, they're usually my clients, but I wish more business owners would just be selfish. Mm-hmm. And like we think selfish is a bad word, but if we're selfish about how we want to use our time and who we want to work with and how things have to go, it actually gives us so much more freedom and clarity for everybody else who we're interacting with. And so many of the jams we get ourselves in are because we weren't being honest and we weren't being selfish about it. So I'm glad that you chose yourself and your business over your client and trusted yourself. Like, Everyone gets those, you know, yellow, then orange, then red flags. And yeah. you're like, oh, but they're pain and they're consistent and they're nice. We should keep going. And you're like, oh, my God, I believe in what they do. So, you know, and what if yeah. I leave? will they be able to succeed? What's going to happen? Like, not to say I was, you know, everything. But when you're the marketing company, you're kind of like, oh, it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you care. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know. But I think honestly, it's actually funny too, because from a team standpoint, I was so worried that they were going to think I was making a bad business decision. Um, Just because on paper, it probably did look like a bad business decision, but it was neat to see that they rallied and they were like, no, this actually makes us trust you even more because you have our best interest at heart, not just the clients. And I was like, okay. So, you know, you learn, you learn in those moments too, how your team sees you. Did you grow up outside of Indianapolis? I didn't. Well, I mean, yeah, outside, but actually um, an even smaller town than I'm in now, I grew up in. <laughs> yeah. What what advantages do you think you have by being in Indiana and running these businesses from there? Hmm. What adv- I've never thought about this question. Well, give me a second. <laughs> um. I mean, so growing up in Indiana, 
it's not like the coolest place in the world. I think we, I think every person in Indiana even agrees on that. But we, I feel like community is a big aspect of who we are because we haven't, we don't have the big cities. I mean, Indianapolis yeah. is a big city, but other than that, it's not like we have a bunch here. Um, we aren't super fast paced. Like we're a lot more just small town vibes of uh, caring about your neighbors, knowing what's going on with the people down the street, being able to recognize everybody <laughs> that you see, at, you know, everywhere you go. And, and I think that that really helped me be able to, um, even though you know a lot of different people, everyone's still different. So I've been able to learn how to interact with all types of people. And um, it it wasn't just put your head down and work hard and get where you're going, kind of like the city life is or certain areas in the US, um, which there's nothing totally wrong with that. But instead, it was more like, it's slower where it's like, let's have a conversation. Let's get to know each other. I want to check. Let's check in. Let's send cards to each other in the mail on on special occasions or even just to like let you know I'm thinking about you like it's just it, it's relational and that's what I do now is relational living and it's fascinating how many people because I work with people all over the U.S. it's fascinating how many people don't have that um and don't even understand that and so it's one of those things where we joke like oh Indiana it's not a fun place to live nobody wants to come here you know <laughs> but at the same time it's like we have things that a lot of states don't get to experience um and that's that small town community feel. And and so many people are craving that and looking for that. And I think that there's a lot of over justification for trading that out for something else mm -hmm. when it shifts everything. Um, I do an exercise with clients about building out all the people they know and how are they going to take advantage of their network in a positive, <laughs> loving way to kind of yeah. go where it's next. Mutually beneficial. <laughs> exactly. And it's so uncomfortable for people to have to like re-engage relationships. And I'm like, guys, they're just go make a new friend. Like <laughs> we're making this such so much pressure. I'm like, yeah. don't what's have the most casual conversation possible. Go be curious. What are they up to? How can you go help? Be curious. I love that. It's curiosity. Like, yeah. It's just it um most people want to help each other. Most people want more connection and relationships. Most people need help their own of some kind. So go make some friends and go make some cool shit. Like it's, it's way more fun that way than all the anxiety we put on ourselves about like having to work with people, which I think is the best part of what, yeah. what we do. Um, but it's interesting how it makes some people have so much anxiety based on whatever they think it's going to lead to. Yeah, absolutely. You have lots of really great tips on your current website. I know you're doing a rebrand. Um, <laughs> so what are one of your five tips about habits that you just wish people knew? Like if you could give people one advice listening, what's that advice? Mm, one tip. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, well, first of all, my website's going to look similar. It's just going to have a different logo and um, colors, but as far as the tip goes for habits, I actually heard this recently and I'm going to butcher this quote. So it may be something I need to look up if I do butcher it. But I was talking about how it's not just about like repetitive action, which is a habit, right? Like you repeat it over and over, but it's about like up leveling each iteration of that repetitive act, um, habit. And so basically what I got from that, and that wasn't the exact quote, but what I got from that is so many times we think well, I just need to do the same thing over and over and be consistent. 
And it's like, yes, that is a habit. But at the same time, you should be growing in your habits and up leveling your habits and like not just staying stagnant in your habits. So I would say being able to observe like what are what's working in your life and what's not. So what habits do you even need to develop? But then maybe there's a habit that has been working for a long time. But how can you up level that? How can you create a new iteration of that habit so that you can grow? Because um, I think some I know for me, I spent so many years because I'm a habits coach developing my habits and forgetting that like, well, there's there's new levels that I'm just missing out. on. So, yeah. Well, and I think that's so easy to see when we look at working out where we don't see it the same way in other habits. Like mm-hmm. if, you, if you do the same workout for the same time period at the gym every day, you'll plateau. Yeah. And we know that. But we don't think about that in anything else we do yeah. <laughs> in our lives. Yeah. Well, even just like in for a while, even just in the conversations with my kids or my husband, it was like mm-hmm. I I wanted to have a habit of being present with them. But then like that presence started to just be like the same questions and kind of boring and just, you know, and it's like, well, how can I be more intentional or how can I, to your point earlier, get more curious about my, my kids and my husband. And so, you know, the habit stays the same of being present, but like that level of presence, you know, is what I tweak. Yeah, no, I love that. When you hear the words powerful and ladies independently versus next to each other, what is their definition and does it change when they are next to each other? Hmm. Okay. Give me a second on that one too. Sure. So my initial response would be that it doesn't change. Actually, I think there's a time in my life where it ha- it, I would have been a different answer. Um, as far as like seeing them together. But what was the other part of that question? What does powerful and ladies mean to you? Okay. I feel like for me, everyone has a different form of power. I think many times we hear the word powerful and we think, you know, I'm not that, or I am that. It's one of the other, right? Like, oh yeah, I'm powerful or oh, I'm not powerful. But we haven't actually defined what that looks like for ourselves. And so realizing that powerful is really just being true to who you are and being confident in who you are and waking up to who you are (laughs) is powerful. And so as long as those things are happening, it can, a powerful lady looks different and and can come in a variety of different forms, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. We also ask everybody on the podcast where you put yourself on the powerful lady scale. If zero is average everyday human and 10 is the most powerful lady you can imagine, where would you put yourself today and on an average day? Yeah. So I like that because I have, I'm all about like living out my future self in the now. Um, so even though I'd like to be a 10, you know, um, maybe I'm more of like a seven or eight on the, on average, but I definitely am, am always pursuing living out my future in the now. And so I actually don't, I don't have an answer to that, but it's making me curious and it's making me want to think about that more, you know? Because yeah. like, why are we waiting to live the version of our most powerful self when we could be living it now? And what does that version look like, you know? And what does it mean to be powerful when you're still evolving and cooking and mm-hmm. becoming like, we haven't become the greatest version of ourselves, no matter what we have or haven't achieved or how we're measuring it. So it's also, how can you be powerful 
right now exactly as you are. I love that. Yeah, I ask myself the question regularly, like if I were living my best version of myself in the now, what what decision would I make right now? What action would I take right now? Like what thought would I have? I try to do that, but I love adding in, like if I were living the most powerful version of myself right now, what would that look like? Yeah. Well, I love to hear what you come up with. For everybody that wants to follow you, find you, support you, where can they find all the things to connect with you? Yeah. So I guess three different ways. I'm mostly on Instagram. So Amanda K K A Y Faust F O U S T. And then if you're looking to check out my coaching or my planner, that's at highperformanceinsider.com. And then for my marketing, it's hgcollective.co. Amazing. We've also been asking everyone, what do you need? How can we help? What is on your to-do list or your to-manifest list? This is a big, powerful group. And I really do believe as you kind of opened up our conversation that we never know who has the key that we're looking for next. Um, So what do you want? How can we help? Oh, I love that question. Um, I love the collaborative approach. (laughs) So I would say the first thing that comes to mind is I, for your for several years did a lot of speaking and I kind of pulled back on that this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now I'm kind of ramping up to doing some more speaking. And there, there's a couple of reasons I love speaking. One is I just love that like in-person approach and connection that can happen really before and after speaking engagement. And then also my planner is something that always does really well when I'm speaking. And I want to get that out into the world more and more. And it's fun to be able to like show physically show people and answer their questions and get to do that. So speaking um, is definitely something that I'm looking to do more and more. Okay, perfect. I might have some options for you that we can talk about right after this. Yeah, awesome. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for your time today. It really has been such a pleasure to meet you. And I really do think there's so many ways that we can collaborate and support each other. So I'm excited to see where that goes. And just, I want to acknowledge you for who you are for people. You know, I, I know how uh, isolating and overwhelming it can also feel to be holding this coach space and to be holding greatness for people. And just, you're not alone. And I feel that too. And thank you for kind of being side by side, uh, trying to change the world together. Yeah, thank you so much. And thank you for having this space for people to be able to come and show their power and encouraging <laughs> that power in other people as well. So I appreciate that. All the links to connect with Amanda High Performance Insider, her Awaken Yourself program, and hgcollective.co are in our show notes at thepowerfulladies.com. Please subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening and leave us a rating and review. Come join us on Instagram at Powerful Ladies. And if you're looking to connect directly with me, visit caraduffy.com or kara underscore duffy on Instagram. I'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Until then, I hope you're taking on being powerful in your life. Go be awesome and up to something you love.